Hello and welcome to the Corner 3 on Studio 41 Radio on 97.1 The Freak. My name is Bobby Corella. Now this is the Corner 3, but today it's more like the long two because <laughs> there's no Isaac in the middle, but I'm still joined by Katya Viaba. Katya, what's up? Hey, Bobby. What's going on? I again <laughs> asked you first. Oh, not much. Just excited to be here. Another another Studio 41 radio edition, you know, on the little Saturday, but we're recording this on a Friday, but what's going on with you? <laughs> uh, nothing. Looking forward to the home opener. I'm so it's excited be fun. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Isaac will be back with us next week. He just isn't here this week. I think he's on like vacation or something. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, taking a vacation the first week of the season, I really kind of question his commitment to the Mavs. <laughs> he's going to be back job. for the home opener. Isaac, I got your back, wherever you are. Oh, he will be back yeah. by then? Okay. Okay. So he'll yeah, be, he'll in be the at the game tomorrow. Okay. That's good. That's okay. good. Uh, Katya, as I understand, you were on uh, Locked On Mavs this week. I was. Subbing in for Isaac. Yeah. How'd that go? It was so fun nick is nick is a great host uh i was very nervous going into it but he he was so chill and it was just so much fun we did the uh top 10 things that we are excited for for this map upcoming map season did you each do five or did you like bring all 10 to the party i sent in five and i think we ended up at like maybe like nine and a half because he kind of piggybacked off one of them so okay. like, I, I don't know if we got to the full 10 but yeah. well here's the half i'm excited for isaac to be there for the season opener the home opener. The home opener. He wasn't there for the season opener. He was Phoenix gone. Didn't happen. He's Phoenix a didn't yeah. happen. <laughs> yeah. That game doesn't count. Um, exciting stuff because the last couple weekends here on The Freak, we've done four segments. Yeah. But if you've been listening, you're a, you're a real one. Numbers on the boards came first. Woo! Skin's back. We're yeah, back. Baby. That's awesome. I was, I was so excited to do that with Skin. I mean, you guys have the best chemistry. You guys are super fun on that podcast. So I'm excited that it's brought back, and I'm excited that it's part of the Studio 41 lineup on 97.1 The Freak. Heck yeah. And of course, with that show coming back, it means we're limited to two seggies, so it's going to be fast and furious. Let's we go. got a lot of good, hard sports talk to get into. Uh, but first, time to step back. Three, we're going to do a Luca. Even though we're, uh, we're more like the baseline two today, we still believe in the long ball here. So here's three top stories from around the league that we'll get into in the next segment just to get the gears turning, get this sports talk underway. First, ratings were good. Unfortunately, the Mavs played in Phoenix on opening night, and that game is a game that happened, but a lot of people watched, which could potentially make it worse. But a lot of people watched. Ratings are good. People love the Mavs. People love the Mavs and the Suns, and I think that might be a a rivalry that, that the general public is getting into. So I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about that. What yeah, mine is um, just some upsets have been happening. You know, going into the season, everyone kind of has their power rankings and they kind of expect certain teams to win certain matchups and certain teams to not win certain matchups. And there was a couple uh, couple upsets there that we can uh, dive into in a little bit. Yeah, that Julia Louis-Dreyfus screenshot from Veep, I think is going to get a lot of mileage this season. <laughs> That's a good one. That's sort good of one. laughing like, oh, what the... <laughs> 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 like you, is Utah happy winning that game? I don't know. Uh, and Utah is playing the Wolves on Friday night, so imagine if... You play the Nuggets and the Wolves, two teams predicted to be in the top at least seven, and you beat them both. We're supposed to be bad. We're supposed <laughs> to suck. We're aiming for Victor. Yeah, what's going on? What's happening? And then finally, the Clippers played their season opener kind of on the road in L.A. Battle, the Lakers. battle in L.A. Yeah, they were, the, they were the visiting team in their own gym for now. They're about to get that new arena. That'll be cool. Yeah. Uh, Kawhi Leonard came off the bench for the Clippers. What's the deal with that? 
how weird is it that a player like Kawhi came off the bench returning after a very long absence? Well, we've actually seen Kawhi return after a long absence before in Dallas. He didn't come off the bench that game, and uh, things didn't go as well for the Spurs as it did for the Clippers. So I'm going to do a little Mavs history in the next segment, too. So oh, I like fun. it. I can't yeah. wait. Yep. Yeah. Now it's time for the pick and roll. It's time for the main course. It's time for the Lucas special. It's time for the, the meat and potatoes of this program. Katya, I understand that uh, LeBron is chasing history. We might see some milestones this season. Yeah, so at the beginning of every season, you know, it's always exciting to see what milestones are being approached and who could, you know, reach certain things in their career. So uh, as part of the 2022-23 season preview on NBA.com, Jeff Case wrote an article 13 key NBA milestones to watch for in this upcoming season. Lucky number. Lucky number. I like 13. It is spooky season. It, it, I love it. Yes, that fits perfectly. And uh, so LeBron entering year 20, that in itself is a milestone. You know, Vince Carter, 22, our guy Dirk, and a couple others, uh, Kevin Garnett, I believe, and Parrish, Robert 21. Parrish, yeah. And now LeBron entering year 20. So he is... Looking to pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for, you know, the top spot in the uh, all-time scoring list, which is a huge deal. I mean, I don't know if we're going to see someone else kind of approach that. Well, Luca exists, Katya. Luca does exist. Luca does exist. But, I mean, the closest that we've seen is Dirk. Dirk ended at six, and that was, like, incredible just witnessing that. So, um, entering the season, he was... Uh, 1,326 points away. He has now played two games. Yep. So I'm going to pass the math on to you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so he scored guy. 51 points in his first two games. So right now he's 1,275 points. Is that away from passing or from tying? From passing. From passing? Okay. So he averaged 25 points per game in their first two games, give or take. So if LeBron averages 25 points per game and plays every single game, we're talking exactly 25 points per game and plays every game. He will pass Kareem on January 31st against the Knicks. Okay. At Madison Square Garden. Wow. That's which pretty would iconic. Be, yeah, that would be a pretty cool yeah. place to do it. Now, the interesting thing about the Lakers' schedule this year is eight or nine games after that Knicks game. I think it's nine games after the Knicks game, the Lakers come to Dallas hmm. on February 26th. And so if LeBron drops off a little bit, or if he misses a few games here, a couple games there, all of a sudden maybe you know maybe we get to see some history up close and personal, just like Rangers fans got to see Aaron Judge hit home run number sixty-two here. Uh, we could witness some history, but I think I want I want to go back to what you said before that we might never see anybody come close to approaching this. It's LeBron has had pretty much unparalleled combination of longevity peak, prime, however you want to view it, and also health. Right. Like, he's only missed – he missed a couple games last season. I was going to say, barring last season, he's had a pretty healthy career where yeah. he has not missed a ton of games. Yeah, his first year in L.A., he missed like 15 or 20 games because they kind of shut him down or whatever mm -hmm. toward the end of the year. But he does not miss time. Yeah. And he's never averaged – I think in his entire career, has never averaged under 25 points per game. And so Luca, for example, came in the league at age 19 – immediately, you know, was awesome. Well, his rookie year, he only averaged like 18 points a game or something. Right. 
and he's missed 10 to 15 games every year of his career, and there was a condensed season and the bubble on top of that. So he hasn't even had the chance to play two 82-game seasons uh, because the NBA shortened the schedule. And so you have so to I have – I just looked it up. Okay. His rookie year, he averaged 20.9. Ah, uh, what a bomb, what a bomb. And then besides that, his lowest scoring average was 25 even, and that was 2020-21. Wow. And that was his age, what, 36 or 37 season? <laughs> I mean – Yeah, he was he's, age 36. Yeah, he's like 37, 38 years old right now, still scoring 25 a game. So you have to have not only supreme talent, first off, more than anything, you have to be able to score the heck out of the ball if you want to set – the record for you know most points in a career but you also have to have good fitness good health good fortune good longevity you have to be good enough to where they're not kind of phasing you out you know like Dirk for example mm -hmm. Dirk was unbelievable until he was like 35 36 but then injuries from his past kind of mm -hmm. caught up to him and he couldn't play 35 minutes a game anymore he had to come off the bench he just he couldn't do it uh, LeBron has not had that same kind of problem and to give you an idea because Dirk was the most recent one other than LeBron to get to 30K, Dirk finished his career with 31,560 points. More than 7,000 points behind Kareem. Right. <laughs> so that's like, in order to score 2,000 points in a year, you have to play almost every game and average 25 a game. Yeah. So Dirk would have had to have four more seasons of 25 points per game playing every game in order to pass Kareem. I mean, that really puts it in perspective just how incredible LeBron's career has been and the uh, what it takes to get to that milestone. Yeah, it's impossible. I mean, I would go back, you know, when I was in high school and college playing NBA 2K all the time. I don't really play the game much anymore at all. But I would always make a player. You know, you make the guy 99 mm -hmm. at everything. Mm -hmm. You know, just max out all oh, their yeah. stats. Put him on a bad team where he can get a bunch of shots. You know, uh, you simulate the season. I'm not playing 82 games. <laughs> At the end of, like, a 20-year career, I'm still not passing Kareem. Like, even the perfect video game character can't do it. Yeah. And yet LeBron, you know, unless he gets really, really injured, he's going to pass Kareem probably this season, certainly next season. I mean, it's almost an inevitability. <laughs> the only way he couldn't do it is if he gets really hurt or if he only averages, like, 20 a game or something. Wow. You know? Yeah, I mean, that really puts, like I said, it puts it in perspective just how special it is. And then to just be able to witness that in our, you know, in our lifetime. I mean, some, some people probably remember Kareem hitting number one. That happened in 1984. Mm -hmm. um, that was a little bit before I was born. Who would he have passed at that point? Would it have been? He passed Wilt. Wilt, okay, okay. Yeah, he passed Wilt. So, um yeah. yeah, because I guess Oscar Robertson would have had it for, I mean, I'm sure it changed hands a million times, but I think Oscar Robertson had it, then Wilt passed him, everyone else fell into place, and then Kareem Surge passed. Now, Carl Malone passed Wilt. Kobe is sitting right behind Carl Malone, I think. Yeah, so I actually have the list. It's, okay. Uh, one, Kareem. Two, LeBron. Three is Carl Malone, and he was at 36,928. Oh, that's so many points. Yeah. Kobe Bryant is at fourth with 33,643. Fifth is Michael Jordan with 32,292. And then sixth, our guy Dirk, 31,560, like you said. And then seventh was Wilt, 31,419. Isn't that just wild company for Dirk to keep? Absolutely. He's sandwiched in the middle of Michael Jordan and Wilt Chamberlain. Yep. One dude who's like the GOAT. Another guy scored 100 in a game. He averaged 50 points per game for an entire season. Right. And Dirk has more points than Wilt. 
And then just to round out the top 10, Shaquille O'Neal is at 8th with 28,596. Carmel Anthony, which this one's interesting because he's not currently on a roster, but he is very close to passing Shaq. He's at 28,289. So he's like a little under, what, 400? Give or take, yeah. 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 I mean, about My a math season isn't away. As good as you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And then 10 is Moses Malone with 27,409. Yeah, so Carmelo needs 308 points to pass Shaq. And like you said, he's not on a roster right now, which is pretty surprising because I thought he was all yeah. right for the Lakers last year. I mean, yeah. I'm sure some team, like somebody like the Nets or the Celtics or one of these like super good teams in the East, or even like the Sixers, couldn't bring him off the bench, just give him 15 minutes a game. Let but, him hit those 308, you know? Yeah, just do it. Um but to give you an idea of how hard it is to hit 30,000, so for a while I was thinking maybe Melo was going to be able to do it. Okay. Guys like Steph, for example. Steph will almost certainly not get to 30,000. I'm not sure Steph even has 25,000 points in his career. He's going to have to play another five or six years averaging 20, 25 a game in order to do that. Which And is that's just because, you know, whenever Steph started, like he wasn't shooting at the clip that he's shooting now, yeah. right? And he had a lot of injuries. Yeah. He did. His ankles were, were major issues. Um, and then, you know, Mello comes along and, and we th- kind of thought he was falling off like five, six years ago. And then he just kind of found yeah. that, that sort of second wind. So he's at about 28,200. He needs 1800 more points to get to 30,000 for his career, which would mean he'd need to play. If he were signed today by a team, he would need to play every single game this season and next season, averaging 11 points per game just to get to 30 K. And if you're coming off the bench, you're probably not averaging 11 a game. And so Melo might not get there because, yeah. like LeBron, he's now in his 20th season. I mean, what are the odds that in year 21 or year 22, unless you're LeBron James, that you're going to average double figures? Like, it's just it's very hard to envision him getting there. Yeah, for sure. To circle back to Steph, he's in his 14th season this season. And right now, after playing uh, opening night, he is he sits at twenty thousand ninety seven. Only twenty thousand. Only twenty thousand. Yeah. He's only two thirds of the way there. Yeah. And he got a, a later start to his career because he played a couple years in college Correct. too. So Correct. wow, that's going to be so really he, tough. So he he's thirty four entering this season. Wow. Wow. Thirty four. Thirty four. And he's still kicking butt and taking names. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he did get the all time three record, which. Yeah. That's very, very cool. That was very cool to watch last yeah. year. Quickly now, because we do have some Mavs trivia. Luca, in that same article, yes. it talks about Luca could crack the top 10 in a couple categories for the Mavs already. Only his fifth season. Yeah, so only entering his fifth season and already being able to crack into the top 10 of a franchise. I think that speaks to how special Luca is. And he could be, so it's top 10, what, in points, assists, Field goals made and field goals attempted already. Yes. <laughs> field goals attempted. Luca gets him up. But he could also be top third three place. In three pointers made and attempted as well. Three's made already. Yeah. This is his fifth season. Yeah. <laughs> he needs what in the article it says if he hits 180, which he's hit, I think, three years in a row. He's hit at least 183s. He'll pass, I believe J Kid is currently third all time in, in made threes for the Mavs. Yeah. Dirk obviously is number one. I would I would suspect Jason Terry's number two without knowing it off the top of my head. Okay, so right, it says in the three point shooting category, Doncic is at seven hundred and thirty two career three pointers. He averaged one hundred and eighty three three pointers made and five hundred and forty three attempts per season in his career. Should he hit one hundred and eighty or so on five hundred and forty attempts, he'd pass Jason Kidd and Michael Finley 
Um, Kidd is at 778, and Michael Finley is at 870. Uh, so Finley, okay, so Michael Finley's third place. And then there's a huge gap. Jason Terry made 1140. Dirk made 1,982. Wow. So <laughs> it's going to be, Luca will have to play here for about 12 years in order to pass Dirk at his current pace. Um, okay, so we got some, some Mavs milestone trivia here for you, okay. Katya. Some of this I'm just going to read off. So we were talking about the possibility of seeing LeBron pass Kareem in Dallas. Uh -huh. It's not out of the realm, right? This could happen. Um, we've seen some milestones in Dallas over the years. So we've seen in, in American Airlines Center, we saw Dirk pass Hakeem Olajuwon. Elvin Hayes and Wilt Chamberlain all in Dallas, and we also saw him reach 30,000 career points. But he scored point twenty-five thousand on the road. He passed Moses Malone. He passed Shaq on the road. Like some of these milestones, he he cracked the top ten on the road. That was in Utah in 2014. Uh, so we haven't seen everything here, but we did see some of the good ones. But here's some juicy, juicy, juicy trivia. Okay, so two Mavericks. Uh, we'll let's let's test our Mavs knowledge here. Two Mavericks have scored 50 points or more in a game at American Airlines Center. So throw out all the reunion and stuff. The AAC opened in 2001. Okay. So from 0102 to now, two Mavericks have scored 50 points or more in a game at home. Who are they? This is like a relatively easy one. Dirk. And Luca. Yes. Yeah. Luca did it last year. Last scored year, 51. Flippers, yeah. And then Dirk had 51, and he also had a 53-point game. So he did it two times. Okay. So Dirk scored 53 points at American Airlines Center on December 2nd, 2004. That's my dog's birthday. Hey. Yeah. Shout out, Victor. So Dirk went for 53. Okay. T-Mac scored 48 points. That's one of the best duels wow, yeah. ever. Okay. Right? So that game, T-Mac became the first ever opponent to score 40 at the AAC, which okay. I think is really cool. Yeah, so it was open cool. for three seasons before someone was able to even crack 40. Wow, yeah, that yeah. is cool. Shout out Mavs defense. Um, <laughs> okay, so only three Mavericks have scored 40 points in a game. So we know two of them, Dirk and Luca. Only one other Maverick has scored 40 or more at home. At AAC? Yeah, in the last 22 years or whatever it's been. Do you know who that is? This Ooh. is this is kind of a hard one. This is, is a deep it? cut. It's a deeper cut. It's a deep cut. Yeah. Oh man. Give me a hint. Uh he played on the Mavs. He was on the Mavs team that lost in the finals. Ooh, okay. No, I don't know. It's Josh Howard. I, I would think I was thinking Jason that. Terry. Yeah. But it was Josh Howard. Okay. Yeah. It was Jeho. Jeho did it. Yeah. Uh, that is a deep cut. Yeah, yeah. But uh, also, I mean, he he had really good games. He did. Here, yeah. He always had really good first quarters. Like, remember that was like his thing. He had he was just the the first quarter guy. He just absolutely would pop off um, in the first quarter. So Josh Howard had forty seven points. Okay. In a game. Wow. One yeah, in a in a win over the Jazz. This is in uh, two thousand seven. Okay. Okay. So the night that Dirk scored fifty three mm -hmm. against T Mac, December second. Shout out, Victor. 2004. <laughs> that stood as the single game scoring record at American Airlines Center by any player, home or visitor, right? Mav or other uh, bad guys. <laughs> Opponent. <laughs> that stood as the single game sco scoring record from 2004 until which player surpassed that? And can you tell me how many points they scored? Wait, sorry. One more time. So that used to be the scoring record. For AAC, it was 53 points. Okay. But somebody somebody passed it. Do you know who it was? And when? 
It wasn't Jamal Crawford, was it? No. No. That's a good guess. Okay. Because I remember he went off. Mm-hmm. Um, dang. I'm not. More gonna, recent than that. More recent? Yeah. It was during lockdown, so it was. I have no idea. Steph Curry. 57 points. Okay. One game after. Kelly Oubre scored 40. Wow. <laughs> so the Warriors came in and did some damage in Dallas. Um, so Steph's 57 points is the most ever scored in the building. Three other players have scored 50 points at American Airlines Center. Three visiting team players. You just named one of them, Jamal, Jamal. Crawford. 51 points in 2019. So two other guys have done it. Can you name them? So two other guys other than Steph and Jamal Crawford? Yes. Um, I don't know. One of them is a big-time scorer, and one of them is not. <laughs> I'm so bad at trivia. Never take me to trivia. <laughs> these are, I mean, these are, these are tough questions. These yeah, are they tough. are. I'm sure somebody is listening to this screaming, it's blank and blank, you silly goose. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Can I phone a friend? No. Okay. Not enough time. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, it was Kevin Durant. Okay. Scored 52 points in 2013. Oh, Dallas. wow. Yeah, for the Thunder. Throwback. Yeah, that might have been 2014. It was the 13-14 season. Okay. The other one, Andre Miller, 51 points for the Blazers in Dallas in 2010. Andre <laughs> Miller, a career high. Once-in-a-lifetime game. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So there you go. There's that some mad fun. scoring trivia. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I, I love doing that stuff. I love doing that stuff. Um, okay, coming up, the fun is going to continue. We're going to go around the NBA and touch on some of our top stories from the league. And we also got Cat's Corner and a whole lot more fun to be had on the Corner 3 slash Long 2 slash Baseline Jumper. Shout out, Brandon Bass. We'll be back right after this. Hey, let me tell you about last night. All right, check this out. So Luca came to the ball. Boom, boom, boom. Crossover. Oh, step back. Three. I was like, oh, snap. I can't do that. <laughs> so then he passed the ball to Christian Wood. Christian Wood said, oh, no. They don't know about me. I went here last year. I got to make a name for myself. So get what he did. He put the team on his back. And then he took the ball down in the lane and he dunked it. And the fans went, oh, no, because we was playing away. But now Saturday, we play at home against the Memphis Grizzlies. And get what? They got John Morant. But we got Luka Dodgers. We got Tim Hardaway Jr. We got Boys be hitting the three and playing deep. They don't play deep just to play for fun. They really go down and scrap these boys up. Scrap season? You did me? Then we got Bobby Carrillo about to come and do the analysis. And then we got Tati. Tati, what's your last name is? I don't know what that is, but I'ma just say Tati about to come and do her thing. So y'all give it up for everybody that about to come on Studio 41. So that was the talented voiceover work <laughs> of our teammate Andre Robinson. Cat, did that get you fired up for the home opener or it what? Absolutely did. Are you kidding me? Luca with the step back. <laughs> <laughs> Andre is awesome. He recorded, so he came into the studio for a little backstory. It was Thursday afternoon. We're just hanging out, kind of having, uh, doing whatever we do, plotting in Studio 41. And uh, Andre wanders in and says, Hey, can I like 
play with your microphone, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and we have, uh, we have it's, a, it's called a GoXLR. It just has a bunch of different settings. And Andre just came in and started pushing buttons and turning dials. And, and he churned out a bunch of different returns for us. I think the us. funniest thing about it, though, is when you're messing with that and you, like, mess with the pitch, like, you naturally want to go really high. You're turning the pitch yeah. higher, and then you want to also talk higher. <laughs> Or you oh, just really? deep and talk yeah. down here. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, be on the lookout for a bunch of different funny returns He's so over the talented. next few months. Yeah. I mean, he did that, uh, the player video. His media day station is going to turn out some really awesome content. He also did our city edition shoot where mm -hmm. we turned um, the AAC into the Retroplex. And uh, I don't know any director that shows up in full, full costume. But yeah, he was, it was. He was uh, embodying. It was a scene straight at, yeah, right at, straight out of 1979, and uh, he showed up to the office the next day with an edit already, so we already know kind of what it looks like. So it's going to be an awesome, uh, we're debuting our City Edition jerseys on November 12th, I think it's a game against the Blazers at home. A day or two before that, we'll release the video that Andre made, and it was awesome. So he's extremely talented, uh, as well as very funny, so yeah. <laughs> shout out Andre. <laughs> shout um, out. All right, so here in a second, we're going to talk about some, uh, we're going to go around the NBA, talk about some of the top stories of the week. But first, let's step into Kat's corner. Here's Katya. We Hello. should get Andre to do that, too. Oh, yeah. That'd make be make so a note. Of, write it down, Chopper. Make a note. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, this month is Breast Health Awareness Month. So I just wanted to touch on that a little bit because it's something that's very close to my heart. Uh, my mom passed away from breast cancer in 2020 after an eight-year battle. Uh, she was a fighter, which I feel like a, is the go-to description for anyone going through this battle. But she was so much more than that, just like I'm sure anyone, you know, everyone else is. Um, sports was something that always bonded us through this time. It was uh, something that gave her an escape. You know, it, it gave her three hours of getting to either text me and be like, yay, go Mavs, or yay, Mavs, they won, or what the heck happened. So... Uh, I'm sure she was somewhere watching the Phoenix game, uh, yelling at Jason Kidd for uh, for benching Christian Wood in the fourth <laughs> quarter. <laughs> he got 25 points. Why is he in the game? <laughs> he just went on his own personal 60-2 run. What are you doing, Jacob? He's like sending the vibes, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> put him back in, put him back in. But um, <laughs> on a more serious note, I really do believe that education and just bringing awareness to the subject is so, so important because it's the subject that – people don't really know how to discuss or they are just not super educated on and it can just seem extremely scary. So um, I found a couple of statistics to share and uh, the first one is that about one in eight women will develop in invasive breast cancer over the course of her lifetime. In 2022, an estimated 287,850 new cases of invasive breast cancer are expected to be diagnosed in women in the U.S., and it's not just women, it's also men. So about one in every 833 men have a um, risk of breast cancer being diagnosed. So that's about 2,700 new cases this year. Um, in January of this year, there are more than 3.8 million women with a history of breast cancer. That includes women who are currently being treated or have finished treatment. So the most important thing um, about all of this is that early detection. So early detection is the best way to um, not prevent it, but to just be more in tune with what's going on with your body. It means that the person will likely have treatment options that are much less aggressive, 
while still maintaining incredibly positive treatment outcomes. So, I mean, you can't, you can fight it and you can beat it. And I think early detection is definitely like one of the most important things when it comes to that. So, uh, go get your mammogram, you know, uh, if it runs in your family, get the BRCA gene test and just be more, um, more in tune with where your risk is. Like for instance, I'm, uh, a high risk person. So I at 35 years old now have to go every single year and it's something that I do because since it runs in my family, I have to be more aware of that. And there's so many uh, things that you can do as well. So if you go to uh, nationalbreastcancer.org, you can donate. If you're able to donate, that's amazing. $150 will provide a mammogram to a woman that's in need. Also, if you can't donate uh, financially, you can send notes of encouragement to women that are currently going through chemo because you never know. Someone could be fighting this alone. And, you know, your words of encouragement could really make someone's day. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So go get tested, especially if you're, whether you're high risk or not, especially yeah. if you are. But whether you're, whether you're 50 years old or 20 years old, um, you know, we both know people that have been diagnosed with cancer really early in their lives, like unseasonably early. Yeah. Um, and, you know, especially if it, if it runs in your family, but it's for guys too. I'm glad you brought that up. But, uh, you know, men were at risk, but also like tell your sister or your mom or your cousin or your friend or your wife, whatever, like encourage them to go get tested as well, because this is something that is going to touch a lot of people, unfortunately, um, in our, just in your day-to-day -day life. You're going to know a lot of people or you'll be one yourself that, that has to deal with this disease. So, yeah. yeah. And it's just something, you know, if, if you are affected by it or if you know someone who's affected by it, you just... You know, you want to be there for them as, as, as best as you can and just offering, you know, your time or words of encouragement. You never know how far that actually goes with somebody. Absolutely. So, yeah. Spread positivity, spread knowledge, spread love. That's three things we try and do on the show every single week. I love it. And spread stats. That's really important. <laughs> uh, and speaking of stats, Katya, <laughs> it's time to go around the NBA. Three of the top stories of the week we're going to riff on for, for most of the rest of the show here. Let's do it. So uh, Ben Cafardo, uh, who is the head of the NBA, I don't know, I guess he, he, oh, ESPN PR, okay, <laughs> it, it's, his Twitter bio just says head of the NBA, but I, I saw a little more, oh, so I he's like just, it. he's like the head of, head of ESPN PR, uh, he tweeted the, the morning after the Mavs-Sun game, he said, last night's Mavs-Sun's telecast was the most watched ESPN season opening late game in five years, according wow. to Nielsen. Average more than 1.6 viewers, up 18% from last year's Denver-Phoenix game. And, of course, Phoenix was, at the start of last year, your defending Western Conference champion. Right. And so there should have been you know, a lot more perceived interest. Western champs against the MVP. Well, this year, Mavs blew them out of the water. And so I feel like you know, the Game 7 memes were everywhere. So I feel like there was some interest because of that. But also, Luka has interest. The Suns are still really good, so that has interest too. But I, I wonder if there's maybe... Obviously, Mavs fans and Suns fans feel this way, but even outside of those two, if there is kind of growing interest in this Mavs-Suns rivalry, if that playoff series kind of solidified these two teams as their games are must-watch, or maybe people are just all amped up and revved up, ready to go and watch some basketball, you know, that could be too. But the fact that it was the second night of the year, it's not like it was the first game of the year, it was the second night and the late game, a lot of people stayed up late to watch it, so I think uh, I think people are people are all in on Mavs Suns. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a rivalry that uh, kind of was created through the playoffs last year. But also, if you you know if you're a Mavs fan and have been following them since Dirk retired, we were talking about this before you know we started recording. 
uh, the Mavs have not been very good no. uh, against Phoenix. They've beaten Phoenix one time in the in last the four season. years. Yeah, <laughs> in the regular season. I mean, playoffs, I love it, you know, but regular season, it's it's been rough. So um, I believe at Footprint, the Mavs are – uh, now one in ten in their last eleven matchups there, and that's you know. It's but all bad. of these games have been decided by like one point. You know, they yeah, always yeah. come down to the last shot, and so there's theater. It's it's always you know getting our hearts ripped out at the very end by Damian Lee, but it is theater. Well, I do remember last year I was still with the broadcast, and I had I, I don't know if this is a jinx font. I don't really believe Mark Falwell does not believe in jinx font, but the Mavs were close to winning and. You kind of start building that longest, you know, streak snap Ooh. graphic. Sorry if right. it was me. But Were you anyway, doing that last not? night? No, I was not. Okay, all right. So you were not doing it in the season opener, thank no. God. But uh, the Mavs have led. So last season, Dallas went 0-3 against Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Had a lead after three quarters mm-hmm. in all three games. Season Same opener, thing. had a lead after three quarters. And in fact, it was a five-point lead. Each of the two times they lost in Phoenix last year, they led by five after three, too. So it's a curse number. Maybe just play from behind next time, and maybe it'll, it'll well, turn out a little better. We know that Phoenix just statistically is a very good clutch team. Yeah. So, you know, five points, kind of magic number there. If you get to five minutes on the clock and you're still within five points, it's that clutch time. And With or without Chris Paul, no Cam Johnson, no Chris Paul, no yeah. Jay Crowder, and it was, it was Damian Lee. Damian Lee. And, Lee. You know, campaign out there. Yeah. And, you know, new guys, same results. Yeah. So just you got to blow them out. <laughs> uh, you got to blow up. Speaking of blowouts, Katia Zion and those boys went up to Brooklyn and just completely dominated the Nets. Yeah, so that was one that was not on my bingo card on upsets for opening night. Um, once I saw the score at halftime and I was like, okay, you know, the Pelicans have good pieces, right? They got CJ, obviously Zion, Brandon Ingram, but Brandon Ingram came out hot. Like, he. Oh my gosh. He's incredible. He's incredible. He's incredible. It feels he like he's incredible. like one of the more underrated players in the NBA. 100%. Um, so just to put it in perspective, Ingram ended up with 28 points. Zion ended up with 25 points. CJ McCollum, 21 points. Uh, Jonas, 15 points. And then um, Trey Murphy, 16 points off the bench. Incredible shooter. Hey, he and Herb five Jones for both. Seven, four for six from three. Nine rebounds. Yeah. Trey Murphy, Herb Jones, Jose Alvarado, all three of those guys last year, rookies for the Pelicans, they hit on every single one of those guys. Yeah. The Pelicans are, they're legitimately, I'm kind of afraid of the Pelicans. I'm not going to lie. If they stay healthy, I think they might be the best offense in the NBA, and it's going to be really tough to beat them any given night. Yeah, they got so many guys that can score 20, 30 points. I mean, they had had three guys, their big three, each scored 20-plus. Yeah, that's scary. That is that. It's un- is Zion is unstoppable. Brandon Ingram's mid-range game is unstoppable. C.J. McCollum can heat up just like any of the superstars in the NBA. I mean, they're yeah. very, very talented. And Zion looked fit. He looks fit entering the season. Like where I was before, it's like obviously he's just like a larger stature, larger dude. But yeah. he just looks really fit, and I think uh, they just put the league on notice. Yeah, a couple other teams did too. Utah beating Denver. What happened? Yeah, there? Chicago going into Miami and, and beating them too. What? I mean, there were some upsets on opening night. There was. Uh the one the, the Utah one kind of kind of blew my mind. You there. and I are like we're like Rocky Mountain High on the Nuggets. One hundred percent. They got like smoked the nuggets, by the nuggets, Jazz. Yeah. Absolutely just they were Lowry and them ran them off the floor, man. 
And the, and Utah, like we're saying, Utah on Friday night is playing Minnesota, so don't let Utah start two and zero. Things could get a little weird. Yeah, and Utah, it was just not one guy. Ha- I mean, Colin Sexton was the leading scorer with twenty points, but and and that was off the bench. But it was it was a very balanced score. So you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys with double digits. Yeah. So when you do that, and you have a bunch of guys that are just like, you know, uh creating offense like that it's uh and a lot of them are vets too i mean conley clarkson marking and these guys know how to get their points you know beasley, rudy gay, gay. Yeah. yeah yeah malik beasley is a very dangerous shooter rudy 100%. Gay. yeah yeah i mean utah is they're too good as currently constructed to be in the Wimby sweepstakes but we'll see you know around christmas time we'll see what the deal is the yeah. mavs will actually see utah soon so i hope it <laughs> i hope <laughs> things change quickly <laughs> Jordan Clarkson started, which I thought was interesting too. Yeah, no longer a sixth man. He's yeah. your starting two guard. Very yeah. small backcourt, but uh, yeah, both with those Conley guys and can. Clarkson. Yeah, yeah, they can score. Um, okay, so Kawhi Leonard came off the bench for the Clippers in their season opener against the Lakers. He played 21 minutes and was pretty good, and the Clippers won. So all all's well, right? It was his first time coming off the bench since 2013. So you have to go back. He came off the bench one time in the 13-14 season for the Spurs, otherwise has almost been a lifelong starter. Uh, very rarely ever comes off the bench. And now oftentimes whenever superstars come back, you're just going to throw them in the starting lineup, and if you want to put them on a minutes limit or whatever, then that's fine. Play the first six minutes, come out, and then we'll put you in later. But the Clippers kind of taking a different approach, right? They're bringing them off the bench. Kawhi Leonard off the bench? That doesn't make any sense. So I was looking back. Kawhi, of course, missed... I think almost an entire season, if not an entire season, with that weird knee injury mm-hmm. he suffered um, in the playoffs. And it just it never got any better. And he missed a zillion games. But he made his comeback on December 12, 2017, in a game in Dallas against the Mavs. Mm-hmm. And now that night, he started for the Spurs. He was on a minutes restriction. He only played um, 16 minutes in that game, but he started. He had 13 points. He was plus eight. Great for the Spurs, right? They were 19 and eight. The Mavs were seven and 20. But the Mavs won that game. Oh, really? Yeah. The Spurs were really good with Kawhi. But then you had, for example, Kyle Anderson was starting, but he was out. So Rudy Gay had been starting at small okay. forward or whatever uh, for the Spurs. And Rudy Gay was playing really well. But all of a sudden, you had to bring him off the bench. So you're kind of changing everything just to uh, accommodate the one guy. And the little upstart Mavericks, uh, you couldn't even call them upstart because they were 7-20. and 20. They beat them. That's crazy. So, you know. I, I don't know. Maybe there's something to – and now this was the Clippers' first game, so it's not like anybody was in rhythm. But still, you know, um, if if you have a guy on a minutes restriction, maybe the maybe the future is just bring him off the bench for a couple games if they're cool Didn't with they it. Didn't they do that with Steph a couple times? They did. Yeah. In the playoffs. Yeah. And it worked. Yeah. So, you know, low-maintenance superstars, that's the way to go, man. And that, that, that win by the Mavs was their first win against the Spurs in seven games. It came in the midst of Dallas going 4-25. and 25 against San Antonio from 2012 to 2019. Yeah, that so. was a rough little stretch there. I mean, yeah. San Antonio was very good and a very tough opponent for yeah. the Mavericks for a while. Yeah, luckily those uh, those days are over. Now the Mavs are good against the Spurs again. But <laughs> All right, so anyway, just food for thought moving forward, and, and we'll keep our eye on Kawhi's situation and on all these upsets and Utah's roster and everything. But now as we wrap up, Kat, you're about to make your in-the-bonus debut. So for the next two minutes or so, the floor is yours. Oh, I'm so nervous. Okay. So all this milestone talk um, to start the new season got me thinking about how being able to be there in person and experience the milestone is such an honor and a rare experience. I mean, you're literally witnessing history, right? 
So I've seen Dirk move up the all-time scoring list like we talked about, and we've gotten to witness his uh, 30K milestone in Dallas. Now, I've never gotten to be in the arena at the time. I'm always in a production truck or in a control room. But I can say that every time that there is a looming milestone, the energy just shifts in the arena. You know you're about to witness something very special, and you're about to see history. So I can only imagine what it's like to actually experience this as a fan in the stands. To put it in perspective, there's only about 20,000 people that can be at the AAC to see any given game at any given time. Whether, so whether it's a concert, a sporting event, a family milestone, whatever it may be, I firmly believe that in order to fully experience it, you need to be present, and that includes stepping away from your phone to fully live in the moment. Um, you and I were talking about this, and you know, one of the main things that stood out to, to us was Dirk's 30K. If you go back and look at the photo, most people are watching the moment through their phone screen. So this may be a hot take, as some people like to record and post to social media to show their angle, their take, or just the fact that they were there. But maybe instead of posting the actual moment, which I can assure you is being recorded by many people who are working the event, covering the event, media outlets, and more, Maybe take a group photo before or after to say that you were actually there. And I just can't help but wonder, what if we all put the phone down and dedicate our senses to being there, present, and fully taking it in? Would that enhance our experience? Yes! <laughs> or was that a rhetorical question? I mean, no. But okay. <laughs> oh, that was great, Katya. That Thank was great. You. I was really excited whenever you told me it was going to be about that. Because you. you know maybe we're just two boomers. But like, maybe there's people at concerts that record the whole thing. There's people at games that are trying to record the buzzer beater. And it's like, it's very hard to recollect those memories later in your life if you're thinking ab about your phone or if you're like got your phone way above your head and you're sort of trying to look at the screen instead of looking at the action yeah. or whatever. And maybe for some people, preserving that memory on their phone is the way that they remember it. But like, I think this is scientifically speaking, if you like are looking at something and you can take in the sights and the sounds and the smells and the feeling and you know who's that you remember who's there with you like those are the memories that everyone remembers the first time they did stuff as a kid mm -hmm. because all of that information is new to you and you're just soaking it all in as we get older we got oh man I hate my boss or like oh I got a traffic was a, a disaster so like we have all these distractions yeah. but like try and drown all that stuff out just enjoy the moment man I, I'm really happy that you went that direction thank you yeah uh, I know it's a hot take because I know a lot of people you know it just it's the world we live in now but I think it's important just put the phone down at, at a concert at a sporting event just you're there you paid good money to be there just enjoy it. Dallas legend Erica Badu has a really good song. It goes, I can make you put your phone down. Now, I think she's talking about something else than like basketball <laughs> milestones, but let, you know, Luca Channel is uh, inner Erica Badu. Just, just enjoy it. I don't yeah. know. Just enjoy it. It's, it's, it's okay to, you know, it's okay to just take something in with your eyes. And, and it's ears. okay to not post it on, you know. Yeah. It, it's going to yeah. be there. It's going to be there. Trust me. Hit, hit Andre and at Dallas Mavs with an RT. How about that? <laughs> yeah, Andre's going to make a cool video <laughs> out of it. Uh, well, that was great. That was Thank great. You. A nice uh, a nice baseline two. Nice long two episode. Yeah. We'll have Isaac back next week, but this was fun anyway, Kat. Yeah, this was fun. I always love doing shows with you. Love hanging out with you. Yeah. Good time. Keep saying good stuff. Come on. <laughs> we, we got another come 20 on, seconds. Come on. Yeah, no. Uh, so this was fun. Uh, shout out Skin for numbers on the boards. Kat, thank you for joining me yes. on uh, on the Corner 3, and we'll be back next week, hopefully joined by Isaac. Kat and I will still be here, so we'll have the whole <laughs> roster ready to go on the next Corner 3. We'll see you next Saturday. Enjoy the home opener. Bye.